Well, here is a topic that is custom made for Death by Bungie, for talking with Bungie, the Death by Bungie podcast. I have in my hands an issue of Whitetail News Magazine, a magazine that's put out by Whitetail Institute, the folks that sell some of the best clover seeds on the planet for your food plots. But I am looking at an issue of that. This is volume 29, number two. I have looked all over this issue and I cannot tell you a date on it. I don't see anything on the magazine itself it tells me what the date is, but I'm thinking it's from 2019. It's not a timely uh, issue. I have saved it, however, because it has a very good article in it, but one that I think is perfect for discussion here. And the title of the article is Let's Put This to Bed for Good, Baiting versus Food Plots. It's by Scott Bestool. The article starts out in very large print and says, there's all kinds of bad associated with chronic wasting disease, but one of the most distressing is the way it makes hunters and deer managers fight amongst each other and fall for silly arguments that distract us from logical and legitimate means for dealing with the disease. Right off the bat, I get irritated with the text of this article. And I'm not going to even hold back as to what my thoughts on this are. I can tell you right now that when it comes to hunting, I don't care if you're hunting over food plots or bait or mock scrapes or a decoy. It doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. It's all bait. It is all a form of bait. It's all a way for us as crossbow hunters to get those deer positioned where we can get a good shot. Ideally, I get them positioned right in front of me where I already have the camera set up and I can get really good footage to share with my friends and family to share with you, the friends of Bungie on the YouTube channel. I love having that opportunity. Baiting does that very nicely, but so do food plots. So does a decoy, so does a mock scrape, or a nice rub, or any of those things that attract deer. That's essentially what baiting does and the purpose that it serves. Now, this is an article that's written by and published in a magazine called Whitetail News. Don't forget that. It's put out by Whitetail Institute, and their job is to sell you food plot seed. I totally get that. My job is to tell you what I think about crossbow hunting. Well, that's not my day job, but, but that's my job when it comes to these podcasts. I'm going to share with you my opinions. And we'll just go through the various points that are made in this article. It's a very good article. I don't really have that many problems with it. Just the overall theme. Food plots space deer. Now, when we're talking about chronic wasting disease, there is a common concern, I believe it is misplaced, that spacing deer out is good and will combat and will reduce chronic wasting disease. I get that. The idea is, is that if deer are too close together, they're more likely to spread the disease. However, the facts do not bear this out. If you look at states like Wyoming and Colorado that have very high levels of chronic wasting disease, those states in those areas have as few as one to two deer per square mile. If you contrast that with Pennsylvania where I'm at, we have 12 deer per square mile and no chronic wasting disease. If you go to Missouri, Dr. Grant Woods has his proving grounds, right? If you've ever seen his YouTube channel, Growing Deer TV, he boasts 100 deer per square mile on his property. That's very dense deer numbers. And still, no chronic wasting disease detected on his property. I'm not saying it's not coming, Knock on wood, 
I'm not saying it's not coming here to northeastern Pennsylvania either. It probably is. But when we talk about chronic wasting disease, we're not talking about density. The fact that food plots, they argue, spread deer out is not as relevant to a discussion about chronic wasting disease as we might have been led to believe. The reason I say that is chronic wasting disease is a frequency-dependent disease, not a density-dependent disease. I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but chronic wasting disease is spread by a prion. I call it prion. Some people say prion, but it's called, it's a prion that is a protein that is misshapen. It's bent, right? It just doesn't look like the other proteins. And for some reason, if a deer comes into contact with enough of those prions over time, its body will start replicating that prion when it makes new protein and when it generates protein and when it, re and when it replaces protein in the body and builds muscle mass. And especially in the brain, it will start to replicate that broken protein, that bent protein, instead of the proper healthy protein that it was born with. And then in the end, after over a period of time, that deer will die, could die from that replication, from having too much of that same protein, too much of its body mass in its brain. It gets a spongy appearance in the brain, basically separates, the, so the brain's not functioning properly. And what happens is the deer uh, stumbles around in front of a car and gets hit, or the deer fails to eat properly, or the deer is not agile anymore and therefore becomes eaten, gets eaten by coyotes. If you were to do some research, you will see that there is a distinct difference in the amount of these prions or prions that is that exist in brain matter versus urine and saliva. If we're worried about deer salivating on a corn pile, you'll be somewhat relieved to know that the amount of prions that can be dropped in that manner is extremely low in comparison to the number of prions that exist in brain matter in an infected deer. So a dead carcass is going to share a lot more of these prions and leave them on the landscape in a greater, much greater rate than saliva or urine, okay, in a food plot or at a bait pile either way. You have to understand that CWD prions are not alive. They're not a living organism. They're not a virus or a bacteria. That's not what this disease is. This is not like the cold that I am just now getting over. And you can probably sense that in my voice. My body has been fighting this off, these cold viruses and germs and living organisms that have invaded my body. My body is fighting those off now at this time. Those sorts of things, normally I avoid colds by washing my hands all the time. I use Clorox wipes to wipe down my pens and anything like telephones and things like that that I share with people at, at my office, for example, doorknobs, things like that, just to make sure that I'm limiting my exposure to those germs. That kills those viruses. It kills them. But you can't do that with CWD prions because they're not alive. They're going to lay in the soil. They're going to lay in the environment and be picked up later on. It's just a matter of fact. It's the way it is. They are more like minerals. Okay. They're like a rock. You can't kill it. It's not alive. They're just a building block of living tissue, of living beings. They can be picked up 
in the same way that calcium or phosphorus might be picked up by a deer from the landscape. They're just there and they will be incorporated later on. So you can't kill them. Because of that, they're not density dependent in transmission the way that vi viruses are. Now, if you have, if deer get colds, for example, right? And if you've got one deer that's sick and has a cold, it's gonna transmit those cold viruses and germs to other deer a lot faster if those deer are densely together, if there's a lot, if there's a great deer density. That kind of a disease, it's no different than people. If you want the avian flu, go someplace where there's the avian flu. And you will find that the more densely congregated people are, the more likely they are to get sick. Little kids get um, a cold in a daycare. It's going to go through that whole daycare and every one of those kids is going to get sick, right? Schools, workplaces, that's where we are at risk. You're not going to get a cold sitting in a tree stand, right? Because there's nobody else around to give you one. <laughs> you know, if that isn't a reason to go afield and become a hunter, I don't know what is. <laughs> but... If you think of it in those terms, if we go out there and become, if we go out there and more closely congregate around other people, we're going to increase our exposure to those different living organisms and germs. And we are going to get colds a lot more frequently that way. We're going to be exposed to a lot more of them. Because these prions lay in the environment, they're just frequency dependent. They are not density dependent. It doesn't matter how many deer you have. So I think these arguments that we need to kill deer and limit deer are misplaced. They aren't addressing the underlying cause at all, and they're not even addressing something that their own science would suggest is a likely factor, and that is frequency. When we talk about distracting, this article starts out with, we need to stop distracting people with silly arguments. The argument that spacing deer out in a food plot is somehow helpful in combating CWD is wrong. That is a distracting, silly argument because it's not a density-dependent disease. It's not a density-dependent disease. It's a frequency-dependent disease. If those prions are there and they are exposed to them, they will get the disease. The, they don't need to transmit a living germ from one deer to another. They just need to transmit a prion, a piece of matter, in the environment. Over time, once it's there, it's there. Once it's there, every deer will get exposed to it at some point. Every deer will pass that prion through its body in one form or another and then leave it in the environment again. Yes, it's true. Hopefully it's true that when I put a little bait pile out there, a lot of deer come to it and they congregate. It concentrates them right there in front of me, right in front of my tree stand at 20 yards. How beautiful is that? All of that can take place. That's true but it is not a density-dependent disease. In other words, deer come there, They let's say they make 10 visits to my bait pile, and they're exposed to those prions each time they eat at that bait pile. All 10 times they are exposed to those prions. That's 10 exposures. Now think about what a bait pile does, however. Once I've filled my tags, once I've shot my deer, I stop putting the bait pile out. All of a sudden, the deer are not coming to that bait pile anymore. They're moved on to other food sources. They've got their 10 exposures to prions, and that's the end of it. 
Contrast that with what a food plot does. Look at my well-pad food plot. My well-pad food plot, third of an acre, maybe half an acre on a good year, of some of the best clover northeastern Pennsylvania has to offer. On some years, it was, in fact, Whitetail Institute clover. Deer come to that every day, all year long, with the exception, maybe, of February, March, and April. In May, it's the first thing to green up. They come in there looking for that clover. They eat that clover every day, probably twice a day, hitting that food plot. Once at the end of the evening, early morning, dawn, before they head back to their bedding area for the day. And then they come back as a destination food plot in the evening at dusk. So at least twice a day, they're hitting that food plot. And at night, they may lay in that food plot and eat all night long. That food plot is attracting deer from May until January. Prion after prion of exposure. They're leaving prions, they're picking them up. That is frequency. That is what CWD depends on. Frequency. It is a frequency-dependent disease. And let's think a little bit further about what deer do with that destination food plot. They go to their bedding area where they share prions. They get up and walk a similar path every day back and forth, beating a trail to and from that food plot, eating browse all the way out and all the way back along that food plot, leaving prions, a trail of prions all the way out and back to that food plot. All the other deer follow that same path and they are sharing that path of prions back and forth. That is frequency dependence. And it goes on for eight months. And for some food plotters, it goes on all year long. In fact, we're encouraged in the food plot industry, encouraged by those who sell you those seeds, to do some food plots that will feed deer all year long. That's what we're encouraged to do. That is frequency dependence. It doesn't have anything to do with how dense the deer are. The difference with, a, with baiting is, is that the baiting goes away, but the food plot does not. So I take issue with it when we're trying to point the finger at other people. That just seems to be the whole chronic wasting disease argument. It's not my fault. It's what those other people who don't hunt like me, it's what they're doing that's causing this chronic wasting disease. It's the guys behind the high fences. They're the ones who are causing this chronic wasting disease. We need to get rid of them. That's not the way to realistically address a disease like chronic wasting disease. The article goes on to state food plots are on the landscape longer. That's the next section of the article. That's exactly the problem. That's exactly the problem with food plots. That's exactly the reason why baiting might have the upper hand in a chronic wasting disease discussion. The next point made in the article is that food plots grow deer managers. And this is something that, I mean, that's great. I really don't have a problem. If people want to go out there and they want to manage property, learn how to grow a better, create a better property for whitetails, for better whitetail habitat, by all means do it. But I don't know that that is the end goal of hunting. Hunting for me is about going out and enjoying what's there, enjoying nature. It's a little bit of an adventure. 
It's a little bit of scouting. It's a little bit of all these things. It's a little bit of me sharpening my skills to make sure I'm accurate and that I'm competent with my crossbow. All of that's important to me. It's enjoying the sounds of nature all around me. And it's about shooting a deer and taking home food for the freezer and maybe having a really nice trophy to hang on the wall. All of those things are important. Growing better deer managers, that to me sounds more like farming. I didn't grow up farming. I don't necessarily want to be a farmer. I'm willing to farm insofar as it benefits my deer hunting, but growing better wildlife managers, that sounds more like growing better Whitetail Institute seed customers to me than it does encouraging better hunters long-term. I did not get into crossbow hunting to become a farmer. I didn't get into crossbow hunting to grow stuff. I haven't worked hard to perfect my hunting skills in order to be better at growing crops. That's not why I hunt. Now, I don't fault anybody who wants to go out there and spend time learning how to grow things and producing food plots and attracting wildlife that way. I have no problem with that so whatsoever. If you want to do that, do that. I have nearly a decade of experience doing precisely that, growing food plots in order to attract deer to improve my hunting opportunity. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I encourage you to do it if you enjoy it. That's what we should do in this world. We should do things that we enjoy. But I did not work for a decade improving my crossbow skills so that I could become a farmer. I did it because I'm a hunter. Bungie, play some music and remind the folks listening to this podcast why it is that we hunt together. I kill animals and eat their flesh because it did. Wild game is my favorite dish. That's right. We hunt together. I hunt with a crossbow so that I can kill animals and eat their flesh. That is the reason that I hunt with a crossbow. That is why I do what I do. Goal number one is to put food in that freezer so that for the following year, I have plenty of food opportunities to share with my family, to share those hunting stories with them every time we enjoy one of those meals. That's why I hunt with a crossbow. Again, not to grow stuff. And I don't want to, again, I, I should reiterate that if you enjoy doing the food plots, do the food plots. I went through that phase myself. I will do more podcasts on food plots. It's a great topic. Food plots benefit more than deer. That's the next section of the article. The point here, of course, that if you put in food plots, there are other animals such as turkeys, songbirds, what have you, that can benefit from those food plots. That's no doubt true. There's a question in my mind, however, one thing I've noticed with food plots over time, is that they do change the landscape. So now when you have deer going back and forth on a particular path, not only do we have that prion spreading issue that I mentioned earlier, but you're now creating a concentration point for predators as well. If you're going to have deer coming in and out of those food plots, you're gonna have coyotes concentrating around those food plots. They are using those food plots for the same purpose that you and I use those food plots, and that is to shoot deer. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they're going to kill their deer. It's concentrating them. I made the joke once before. To me, that's kind of like an ATM machine in the inner city. It's going to be a real focal point where people, a bunch of thugs are going to hang out, you know, and it's no different with a uh, food plot. A bait pile is the same thing, but a bait pile is only there temporarily. 
And that's something that has to be stressed. Bait piles are temporary in most instances. I can tell you some Maryland instances where that's different. Uh, if you look at seeker deer hunting, for example, I'll do some talks about that later on down the road, but that's a whole different ballgame. And in Texas, right? Some of my Texas friends of bungee run feeders all year long to feed their deer. And it begs another point here when they're talking about food plots benefiting more than just deer. Let's not lose sight of the fact that baiting benefits on a short-term basis species other than deer as well. I've sat in Maryland and watched turkeys come by. They don't pay much attention to the corn piles, but they certainly are free to consume that corn if they chose to do so. But so do squirrels. I can sit and watch squirrels all day long at the bait piles. That's a common thing. So it's not as though baiting is somehow exempt from benefiting other species as well. The last point that the article attempts to make, this Whitetail News article put out by the Whitetail Institute, is recruitment. And the point they're making there in that article is that hunter recruitment, when you've got a vested interest in going out there and creating a food plot, now you're going to see more deer and you're going to be able to shoot those deer and you'll be even more proud of your accomplishments because you played a hand in taking care of those deer and managing those deer before you had an opportunity to shoot them. Let's think about when I look back at my history of food, food plottery, right? That's what I always call it, food plottery. When I look back at food plottery, I don't see that as a tool to recruit new hunters. How enticing is it for somebody who doesn't hunt to go to some new person and say, look, here's what you gotta do. You gotta learn how to run a tractor and you gotta pay for that tractor. You gotta buy a tractor, whether it's used, and if you buy a used one, you're gonna have to be a mechanic, see? You're gonna have to learn how to fix that tractor because it's gonna break down on you. And you're gonna have to learn how to get it started like the old Ford 8N all the time that I couldn't get that started and fighting with that. Or you gotta spend $20,000 plus, maybe $40,000 on a really big, nice, brand new tractor. But don't worry, you can do payments. Is that enticing to someone who's getting into hunting? Now, as if that weren't enough, you have to buy the tools to go out and spray your food plot because you're not growing a food plot without spraying Roundup. You can pretend you're gonna, but you're not gonna. You need to be able to spray. You need to be able to till. You gotta buy all this equipment in order to do those things. Is that enticing to get somebody new into hunting? You've got to learn how to plant certain seeds at certain depths and other seeds at different depths. And you need to grow all of these seeds. And you'll really, you really will enjoy watching these seeds grow. But there's a chance that some of them aren't going to. And that after all this expense and all this work, you're going to end up without a food plot to hunt over. Is that enticing? Is that going to recruit new hunters? contrast that with, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you a crossbow. You're going to spend a few hours in the yard, shoot a couple dozen arrows or something like that so that you're really comfortable with it. And then we're going to put some corn or some apples or some carrots out at 20 yards. You're going to sit in this tree stand. And when a deer comes in, you'll shoot it. How about that? Um, to me, I'm taking door number two. That's me. I don't see the argument that Growing food plots recruits new hunters as being a very valid argument. I think that's a stretch. Now, don't take any of this from me as though I am criticizing food plots or food plottery. If you've got the land, you've got the time, you've got the equipment, by all means, enjoy that practice. Get out there and do it. I've had a ton of fun doing food plots over the years. Totally appreciate that experience.
but I totally appreciate hunting over bait as well. And I think it has its pluses. And I think some of the concerns about hunting over bait are misplaced. Anxious to hear your thoughts, leave me a voicemail on deathbybudgie.com or go to the website and leave me an email there off the contact page. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Talking with Bungie podcast in your podcast app of choice. Go on the YouTube channel, sign up there, and make sure that you subscribe there. It's free. Subscribe to the Death by Bungie newsletter on deathbybungie.com. That way you can stay atop on top of all of these various Death by Bungie-related issues. <laughs> Until next time, all hail Bungie! Bungie.